Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series dedicated to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a variety of media and focused on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. This week's episode returns to a conversation from last season that I had with Carol Hogan-Downey and Anessa Kemna on ADHD in higher education. This fall, Carol invited Jennifer Parker and Michael Ruffin to participate in a roundtable on ADHD advocacy and social media. Carol, Jen, and Michael discuss how and why they build peer support and advocacy networks on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. This roundtable was initially pitched for 1900 students, many of whom are interested in designing advocacy projects that include social media. However, we also taped Carol, Jen, and Michael's roundtable for our second episode of this season. Enjoy. All right, so um, welcome everyone to our ADHD and advocacy roundtable. I will go ahead and everyone actually knows me here, but. Still, I'll go ahead and begin with uh, reading, introducing our guests today. So um, we have Jennifer Parker, who started her page, Jen Has ADHD, in 2019 to learn more about her ADHD and to advocate for herself. And now she has reached over 260,000 followers on Facebook, 35,000 followers on Instagram, and she has created two ADHD support groups with a combined 40,000 members. Jen's content draws on her studies in art, her love of memes, and her Modi heritage to promote ADHD awareness and advocacy through peer support. While she works on her own content, she also promotes the work of other neurodiversity advocates and leads a team of moderators in her peer support group, We Have ADHD, all working toward her goal of ending the stigma about ADHD and furthering awareness of adult ADHD in its many presentations. And Michael Ruffin, is an ADHD coach and social media advocate. He entered into ADHD advocacy after developing a following in 2020 as a Dungeons and and Dragons Twitch streamer and TikTok personality at Words for Sale, or Words for Sale. In uh, September of 2020, he was diagnosed with ADHD and started to pursue a career in mental health by becoming a a peer support specialist. While becoming more and more educated on neurodiversity, he discovered the similarities between ADHD and ASD or autism spectrum disorder. And that resonated with his own experiences and was diagnosed with ASD in July of 2021. He began posting about neurodiversity in early 2021, amassing over 73,000 followers on TikTok as words and ADHD. Michael incorporates his skills as a writer and actor to spread awareness about neurodiversity and its overlaps with topics of gender, mental health, creativity, and geek culture. And so, as I've said, everyone here already knows me. I'm Carol Hogan-Downey, and I am wearing several hats today. I'm a PhD candidate here in the English department at SLU, and I also teach English 1900 advanced strategies in rhetoric, research in rhetoric. And on the side, I also run a Facebook and Instagram advocacy page called FADHD, um, and that's geared towards helping ADHDers understand, live with, and explain some of the ADHD experience to their friends and family. Right now, I'm at almost 7,000 Facebook followers and almost 600 Instagram followers, still growing, uh, just burgeoning, if you will. And this roundtable came out of the overlap in my roles. So um, as my rhetoric students who are here no, so they're about to start working on towards their multimodal advocacy projects on their own. And I have and often do share my own expertise as a burgeoning advocate, but Jen and Michael are much more the real deal. And um, Jen was and is a massive help in getting me started. So I decided to ask them to share their expertise with my students. And then it grew as I sought out uh, the support from the Compass Lab and we opened it to all Slew Rhetoric students and then um, to the wider community online. And so thanks for being here, everyone. Um, and so to begin, how about, let's start with kind of you introducing sort of what you do or speaking about what you make, the content you create. Um, hi, kia ora, tēnā koutou. Uh, um, my name is Jen. I have ADHD, as you know. Yeah, so why did I start doing what I 
started doing. I felt very misunderstood in my life. I've gone from career to career, friendship to friendship, relationship to relationship, feeling very misunderstood and not really understanding myself and knowing there wasn't a lot of resources online. And I've been existing in like ADHD support groups as my main sort of source of getting the help that I needed. And I saw a space for more more guidance around that, especially when it comes to peer support. I have a um, mental health peer support background. Um, I'm not qualified like Michael, but I've just done this kind of work volunteer. And yeah, it just sort of, I, I wanted to do something more. I, I lost a job. I, I just wanted people to under, understand where I was at. So I started making blogs and then that turned into a Facebook page. And yeah, then it just kind of took off. I don't even know what I did right. I think it's the meme sharing, but yeah, that's that's where I started, I guess. Yeah, that's the long short of that. Yeah, um, for me, I started kind of just doing peer support work um, as volunteer first, and then I actually pursued the certification to become peer support specialist. And I created the, like, I, I had that first account, and the energy to create that kind of content was just very overwhelming. So I was like, I didn't really feel like I was really expressing myself especially with the new diagnosis of ADHD and then discovering uh the autism disorder I wanted to have this place to where I can be more myself and kind of and express some of the experiences that I've had in my life and so when I first started the account it was very much just kind of took off from there um I was very fortunate because I made a video just talking about ADHD symptoms and that blew up and I started talking more and more about personal experiences, especially with relationships. And so it kind of went into the similarities and difference between like narcissism, personality disor uh, disorder and ADHD. So kind of following the relationships uh, of how it can affect an ADHD person, personal experiences, nerd culture, other cultures that, that tie in with neurodivergency very well and just kind of had a place for me and it's resonated with a lot of people and, and then it also allowed me to start my business as an ADHD coach uh, because a lot of people were just seeking help and asking for it so I was like all right let's do it <laughs> and, and actually that's a great place um, you both have mentioned just now when you were explaining kind of what we would call the exigence, what got you started or what made you want to advocate and and why now and things like that. But you also mentioned speaking sort of to the content that you create, the um, Jen, that your emphasis on emphasis is on peer support. And Michael, yours is kind of coming from this place of expertise as the ADHD coach. And um, I know, Jen, you do, uh, you love your memes. You, you've always collected memes. And so that's a big part of what you do, but you also have the things that you draw. So don't let me forget to bring this back around to that. But, um, but the uh, Jen, you also do these posts called Appear Asks, where people can email you or just send you a message on some platform, and you actually will just ask their question for them, and then your followers can comment and answer it. And I think it's an interesting, um, like, two different ways to go about this answering questions from your followers. Because Michael, you often will have videos answering questions from your followers, which of course, TikTok allows with that answer this question with a video kind of thing. Uh, it's really great for engagement. And it's surprising what people ask sometimes, because, you know, with going into education and, and learning everything and just kind of exploring that and then finding out how many people just don't know certain things about ADHD or they need help with in areas about ADHD that maybe are not expected. So, um, and just being able to kind of shine those lights in those areas where people are actually struggling and then, you know, getting the response of how much that you've helped them. It's very rewarding in that area. Nice. And so Jen, I guess, actually, this is, so I, I mentioned that I wanted to get back around to the art that you make for your account. Um, and so to kind of preface this, you both actually, I don't know if it just happened this way, it didn't just happen this way, but in my mind it did because that's how I discovered it. <laughs> Michael, you majored in theater, Jen, you majored in art. And so those both come across in what you create, your background. Um, Jen, do you wanna talk about some of the choices that you made to like 
the kind of art you're going to present. Yeah. So going back to yeah the peer support background, a lot of the decisions I make when when sharing stuff, especially in advocacy, is because I'm not qualified. I have to speak from my lived experience. So a lot of the memes and things I make speak from that. It's part of my ethical boundary because yeah, there's a clinical there's a clinical side of things, and and I just have a lot of respect for that. So I. As part of doing this, being able to create enough content to appease the algorithm and do the advocacy kind of work that I want to do, I, I can't, uh, because of my ADHD and I have like a mix of dyscalculia and dyspraxia, so my sort of like my hand gets quite tired and I'm not exactly the best at like making things sort of fit in spaces that I need them to be in and stuff. I, I started trying to combat my perfectionism as well, which, which comes into this. So I make low, what I consider low spoon art. What low spoon art is, is a theory, it's called spoon theory. And it's about them. You could say it's about the amount of energy units you have in order to complete any task. So say, you know, like um, you've got to like make your bed and make breakfast and get ready for the day that can all take a spoon. So with, with my art and creating content, um, low spoon art is me being able to create what I can instead of being this high rendered thing, but also trying to get up the point of like, this is actually what ADHD looks like too. Like I don't have the ability to sit there and finish something to the end either. And so I'm just trying to show ways that you can actually, yeah, create content or that that's what works for me anyway. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and that peer support lens. And then a peer asks, again, it's another way of facilitating it because I'm not the only person living with ADHD. I'm not the only voice. I believe it's very intersectional um, and in and, and every facet of our lives. And so, yeah, I want to amplify other people's voices, like, yeah, sharing your content, Carolyn and, and, and Michael's, et cetera. And yeah, and creating that podium to, yeah, have a, have have a voice in solid solidarity and yeah Pierre asks it went better than I thought actually like the engagement for that's really good people really like to just have that relatable relatability right there it's a very quick process to have in the comment section you post a, a question and and you can sort of yeah yeah does that answer your question I hope that makes mm-hmm. sense but yeah what I really like about the peer asks is like it's kind of similar to what I do as well is you know, when it comes to ADHD, if you meet one person with ADHD, then you met one person with ADHD. Mm. That doesn't mean our experiences can't be very similar. So like being the platform that can raise other people's voices and experiences, because whenever I was first diagnosed, like just reading the experiences that other people had and being able to engage with those stories and see that like, oh, there's more people out there experiencing these things it's not just me it's not just me being lazy or it's just not me just struggling for no reason like there's there's a reason behind this and so like having that kind of reinforcement from you know followers and and just kind of raising those questions up and and those voices has been really helpful to like myself and also others Mm. Yeah, 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 same, same, same. So it's like, it's nice, it's, it's very normalizing, but something that I felt very othered and alone and even though it's on, on the internet, it's like, oh, this is a community I, I never knew I needed or wanted or should have had always. I mean, you know, and it's like that normalization of, uh, for me at least, that everybody is living with neurodiversity and some of us are, you know, more diverse in others or, or we uh, some some people say neurodivergent but you know and just to I don't know just to normalize it as just part of the human experience that yeah we're all living with those things they're hidden and it's just I don't know I felt very much yeah on the outside of a lot of that and it's like oh all these people are the same as me wow <laughs> that's really cool yeah removing that stigma is really important for me mm. because like the one thing that I tried to educate with is like removing the value of yourself based on your productivity and because you know in a society where you know working is you know a part of who you are in some aspects and when you're ADHD and you're just struggling to function on a day 
getting that guilt or that shame of just like, why can't I do these things that everybody else is able to do? It can be really frustrating and overwhelming. So like getting to the point where people can accept that us, that with different brain functions and the way we think and the way we behave, you know, is normal for us uh, is really important. Yeah. And that's the, um, I mean, you know, the disability and and, and thinking about it as a disability, which is something that I know it's still kind of controversial to consider, is it a disability or, or what have you, but no, I think that that actually leads into nicely something that I was planning later, but it's great now. Um, (laughs) The talking about uh, countering misinformation. So I know this is something that um, we've all experienced and had to kind of deal with in one shape, way or another. And it has to do, part of it is question, that question of what our responsibility as advocates is. Of, is it about protecting or, or helping to shape the ethos of our community of uh, ADHDers? So, you know, only using um, like good sources on things, using the correct terms and things like that, balancing that with the reality that the way that knowledge is made, the way that these studies are done, the way that medical practice happens, the way that healthcare systems such as in America work, there's a lot of inequality, bias, discrimination. And we also just deserve, like people with ADHD deserve to have their language to, to express what they're feeling and to look at their neurotypes in a way that works for them. Um, so would y'all speak to kind of your experiences countering misinformation? Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's, yeah, that's part of why I started what I, I was doing because I'd be in all these group spaces and they were great for initial learning, but there was just so much sort of um, it's, it's the, yeah, it's the way the language is used. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a peer support thing. It's like, there's a type of arm cheering that was going on. And, and I'm, I'm very much about trying to direct people in the right way to talk to other people about mental health. Cause it is hard. It's a hard conversation to have anyway, but when you're like adding all these clinical pathologizing things to each other, that's not necessarily helpful. Although it is still very, these things are very disabling. So it's about finding this balance between what is the community's um, sort of, yeah, that peer lens community sort of language and what is clinical and and some of the stuff that people say, it gets all mixed up and fighting that's really difficult. And in and, and the, and the way that, yeah, if you, can, if you can guide the language, I think that's really important. Like, I think from, from my experience, especially on TikTok, is so many people have a very uneducated perspective of what mental health is especially adhd and because it is so like new in a way like it's been around a long time but the information and the understanding of adhd is very new especially for people that were diagnosed when they were five six years old back in the early 90s you know what they knew back then to now is vastly different and just kind of overcoming that negativity and being the voice to stand up to those people because growing up and being undiagnosed you get told that you're lazy you get told that you should try harder or you're not meeting your potential or any of these things and that can cause a lot of internal struggles and when you go online and you try to share your experiences and then you have people saying the exact same things like, oh, you're just being lazy. You're just making excuses and being able to stand up to those. Cause like I can make a video replying to those comments and actually tell them that they're wrong and stand up to them and show how to stand up to those types of people. And so it's in a way for me being able to be that example of like, Hey, you can actually stand up for yourself and you, and this is okay that you're feeling you know, the way you're feeling and people that just say you're lazy, they're wrong. Like there, it's no ifs, ands, or buts. And you can, you know, gain that own strength within yourself. So that 
can you can you both I know we, we've talked about this a little bit before um, on our own, but we you both had different stories actually I'd love to hear you um, share to give kind of an example of what you're talking about. Um, Jen, I'm thinking of course I'm thinking of the, the RSD thing, but I'm also <laughs> thinking about the cite your sources campaign. And, and Michael, I know you were talking about particular, yeah, people who are, who are coming out after you, after you were like trying to counter some of the toxic positivity. Yeah, I mean, toxic positivity is one thing and it's also partly why I decided to become a coach because there's coaches out there that are like, yeah, if you have ADHD, uh, write a list, you know? And like, and if anybody has ADHD, here's that, their immediate response is gonna be like, tried that, didn't work. And so a lot of information out there to help uh, ADHD people is it from a neurotypical standpoint. Um, so I was like, you know, I have the experience as ADHD, so I'm going to provide the things that helped me and educate myself on how to adapt things for the ADHD brain. And then just having people say that ADHD is a superpower, you know, and that's one of the biggest things that uh, I have to overcome. And my personal standpoint on it, and usually from the community that I'm a part of standpoint is, hey, if you can view ADHD as a superpower for yourself as an individual, that's great. Like we're proud, like we're happy for you, but don't use it as a blanket statement because it is a disability. And there are people that struggle every day just to function and don't see it as a superpower. And you get people that are like, oh, they're just, you know, they're just not looking at the bright side of things. They're not looking at all the positive things about it. It's like, no, I'm sure they understand that there's some good things, but they still can't get out of bed. You know, like when you can't get out of bed, then everything else doesn't matter. Uh, and just kind of making sure that kind of mindset is educated. You know, I don't want to just outright tell them that they're wrong because I want them to feel good about themselves, but I don't want them to make other people feel bad. Yeah. Well, you said, <laughs> Honestly, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. eh? like, because you want, you want people to feel normal in themselves without the whole, Oh my gosh, this dog. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get him to come say hello. He's yeah. Sorry, dad. Can you, can you... <laughs> I'm sorry about this guys. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry. What was I saying? Uh, <laughs> complete. This, this is what it's like with ADHD. To be honest, it's like, you know, like any little distraction and it's just, what was I saying? What was I doing? I had a whole thing, but Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. With, with misinformation and empowerment, it's, it, yeah, the, the clinical side of things, it, it can really sort of feel like, Oh, these are problems. Uh, when there's there are flip sides and so it's good to to see people being like hey you can look at it like this but at the same time it just yeah there's it because it can be so bad it can be really really hard for some people it you know it's it's important to have that there too as part of this this overall narrative yeah and I think too um one of the things that uh Jen I I found really fascinating or recently so watching you go through these different campaigns against these different different disinformation things. So I keep bringing up RSD, which for the people who don't know, so it's this term that's, it stands for rejection sensitive dysphoria. And the word, as far as we can find, and I've done my, I've done research using our library and everything, you know, trying to find all the sources I can. I can't find any evidence of it in, um, of the term existing in peer reviewed scholarship. Everything goes back to uh, Dr. William Dobson, who writes for uh, Attitude Mag, and Jen has mentioned this and, and said, you know, we need to use the, the correct term. Rejection sensitivity is the term that people use if we want people to take us seriously. And people have frequently misunderstood Jen um, and thought that she's saying that rejection sensitivity or that this feeling that we have when is just sort of like you become overwhelmed, overloaded by just 
I mean, it has to do with our emotional dysregulation and also, and also possibly just growing up with ADHD and being weird and, and shut down all the time, but that the, the, the feeling doesn't exist. And so people there, I mean, you've been called a bully before, I believe, and all of this stuff, and you've done well to stand your ground on it. But what I think is interesting is the other side of things too, where you've had moments when people have called you out on the internet and you have done your due done your due diligence or done your work and realize oh no wait i am in the wrong in this and you have rectified it and apologized do you want to talk about that at all yeah yeah so yeah so the thing with with RSD is that yeah from from uh, growing up especially with undiagnosed condition with RSD it's sort of like you you're experiencing all these like micro rejections throughout your life for for being different and that sort of piles up and then to say that um i just find that rsd kind of feels like a victim blaming type narrative especially when it's it could be a result of trauma and rs that particular term is in the dsm-5 which is the diagnostic manual for for um, psychiatric disorders and um, it's very well studied, whereas RSD is just something that somebody, a, a clinician has said and published a blog about that's gone viral. And people have, the community has taken this on board. This is where it starts to get muddy. It's like, okay, well, the community are like, well, we identify with this. And it's like, cool, I definitely, I can't deny you that. Um, all the more power to you if that's how you want to self-describe, that's awesome. But um, yeah, when it comes to, saying that this is what everyone is experiencing and that it's an actual thing well there's no science for it and then I can't I can't ethically share any information on it knowing that as well like the sources don't even cite anything but the the actual website like this is just one of those types of websites I'm sure you know what I mean and um yeah so I take a great stance on that and being like hey please investigate this for yourself like Sure, this might be what you're experiencing, but I I do have a fear that a label like that, RSD, could be used as a weapon against us being, oh, well, you're just being like this. And it's like, well, actually, being ADHD, you have a very um, sensitive nervous system and all sorts of stuff going on as well. In general, you're already predisposed to be a sensitive person. And then when you're, yeah, experiencing all these things, is it really a dysphoria per se? Is it something that's, I mean, it can feel very much like that I'm sure but I just feel that that sort of undermines why this why people have this and there's no science for it and and also people live with multiple neurotypes you don't just have a pure ADHD person that could be an ADHD person with autism and or PTSD and all these other things they're all co-occurring or comorbid and yeah just just say oh it's just RSD it really needs to be investigated like trauma is a serious thing and yeah so I I try to fight that I try to guide people to the hey you know look into this don't just take what somebody said on the internet as as you know the word that's why I speak from my lived experience it's like well this is how I say that you're welcome to also say that but I, I, I like to get people to think about what that is as well and yeah plus the science it's important because yeah yeah I like that awareness sorry yeah i'm i'm on the same page as you because i experienced the rsd on tiktok all the time and Mm -hmm. and i'm the same way like i understand it's a it's a term that's easily used to describe some of the things that we feel but like also as a coach you know even though i don't go into the therapeutic side of things i do try to educate so that anybody that i am helping can get the help that they need. And if they just focus on RSD, they may not get the help that they need because it might be a trigger from a traumatic event, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I usually try to explain RSD as like, there's rejection sensitivity, which is the fear of a perceived or actual rejection. So like if you text somebody and they don't respond immediately and you have this adverse reaction of, oh, they hate me, that's that rejection sensitivity. But then with ADHD, you have ruminating thoughts. Well, now Mm. you can just sit there and think about that all the time. And then you have emotional dysregulation. And so your emotions start getting hyped up and then you can have anxieties. So your anxiety gets worse. But then if you have abandonment issues or any other trauma trigger, then that can trigger those things. And, And that's where 
all that domino effect can happen and create such a like volatile reaction. If you just say RSD, then you might be missing something in, that's actually causing the issue. And like, I'm on board with like having the proper understanding of what is going on inside your body is way more important than what term we use. And mm. like RSD, I don't use it myself, but I, I'm with you. Like, hey, if that's the term that you want to use, great. But here's what you probably need to understand because mm. this is actually probably more accurate, you know, than just saying RSD because there's no real treatment for it because it's not a clinical term. And I like um, the awareness of stance that you're, that you're bringing in here, both of you. Um, Jen, as you said, like, I'm not an, like, I'm not an expert. Here's what I can say about my experience. Or Michael, like, you know, here's how we can see how this sort of falls out. Like, um, and you're, you're speaking as an ADHD coach, of course, but that, you know, also telling them like, they need to understand this is where this is, where you stand in relation to people who, who don't have ADHD, where this might sound in this way, this way or um, might make you look less credible if you're using language that's not correct um, or that's not accepted. So on that too, uh, I wanted to, I definitely wanna have uh, time for Q and A and we're gonna, like I was aiming for around uh, the 35 minute mark, but I wanted to ask, <laughs> Two more questions and then we'll move into the Q&A if everyone's fine with that. Let's talk about engagement and audience. You know, we can look at our metrics. And so we, I, I know you're, I see you smirking, Michael. So I think it's from our conversation <laughs> <laughs> recently about, uh, so actually, I, I don't know, Jen, if you said that it, yours falls this way too, but mine is um, most of my followers and engagement comes from women roughly around my age although there is this weird little spike in teen boys and I have no clue why I you know I mean it, it, I don't know what they're getting I mean other than I mean heard I guess but it's just a weird demographic compared to the others um and, and Michael I know that you're <laughs> you're popular with the ladies um Jen I don't know about you but do these um does the engagement that you get line up with the target audience you had in mind or did you even think about like, oh, I want people roughly like me or what? Yeah, my, my demographic's the same as yours. Um, it, yeah, it's mostly women from the age of 25 to 35, 40. And I guess I guess because it, they um, are educated in these spaces as well, so they kind of know where to go to get it. And I think teen boys, maybe that's the same. Like, they know that those spaces are there or they feel more comfortable. I don't know. Plus memes. I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> neurotypical spaces are everywhere there's there's no neurodivergent space or there's not really like in, in a universal design sort of way you know that things are geared to that so I wanted to create a or facilitate a space that had that in mind so I, I knew that the the main the target audience is people like myself because I wanted them to be more aware of like how you know how ADHD intersects through their life it's not just um, it's not just yeah focus issues or attention issues and, and those sort of things it's actually like that that impacts every little thing and it's like oh my gosh I do this too you know like just just that sort of awareness of self where it really normalizes things that that's that's sort of what I wanted because that normalizes it for me it's been very therapeutic in that way but also I do know that sharing this me and I language also really um, empowers people to have that that language to describe to others. So when somebody says, I experience things this way, et cetera, it helps people around them, their family and friends to understand them. And it gives them tools and, and language to to say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. It's, it's not an excuse. It's an explanation for this behavior and I need help or agency, et cetera. And, and that's where the real advocacy comes from. You know, I'm advocating for people to advocate for themselves in that way. And, and language is really powerful like that. But imagery, imagery as well. So memes, it, it's something that, especially when it's pop culture, and it's something that other anyone can understand. It's like, oh, we've all watched SpongeBob SquarePants, you know, and, and there's this relatability to it and all these little um, uh, things that, they, that, he, that he does that you put a meme format and be like, oh, okay, I understand. What you're saying when it's like this because you can understand that that 
pop culture reference and and that that also helps advocate you know it gives you gives you language to articulate things that that you didn't have didn't have before and I know I didn't have that and so that's what I provide or that's the feedback I get at least people are like I feel personally attacked by this relatable content <laughs> and you know next time you come for me like that send a town car and <laughs> you know, it's, it's very much you know like wow I, I didn't know other people did that exact same thing and I just thought I was weird and it's like actually no there's a whole bunch of people out there like you it's very normal and and it should be normal it should be just accepted that oh hey you know people just do these things it's not really weird it's just how they are that I didn't realize was so common among neurodivergent people that Mm. like you know kind of difficulty getting to brush your teeth the sensory part yeah 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 that's a really can be a real shameful thing to like personal hygiene issues to to carry around like oh my god I can't do this it's like why can't I do the thing and it's like oh wait there's so many other people who are struggling with this and then we can all share how to how to get better at that you know that peer support is just like yeah it's like oh you got you got some hacks <laughs> i need hacks yeah 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 um my target audience honestly was not my intention like my now audience was not my intention i didn't really have i guess you know an idea of who i was going to reach other than just people with adhd but i'm 78 percent female in my following and i think it probably has a lot to do with like the relationship content that i've created especially dealing with narcissistic abuse and having to deal with it and how to get out of narcissistic relationships and how to avoid narcissistic relationships because as adhd people we're, we're really susceptible to it because the behaviors are very similar especially in the beginning of that type of relationship and i think predominantly um those who are a narcissist are going to be male and so those that are victims of a narcissist are female granted there are you know women narcissists and uh because i have personal experience dealing uh with that myself and that's why i was able to talk about it but then just i don't know like it, it just keeps growing that way i i guess i Relate, am relatable to, to women than I am uh, men, uh, which honestly, I kind of wish it was the other way because I feel men probably need to know more about this than, I, than, than women. So it's, it's a unique position that I'm in, but yeah, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll just keep going the, that way. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think, and I can see like Jen's content, I don't see as so much like gendered in the way that like, so mine, you know, it's a fairy, like my, my person's a cartoon fairy and I like using sparkles for my backgrounds and like, yeah, there's going to be some, you know, unabashedly girly stuff. But I mean, I also have some very dank memes, which is why I, I keep forgetting that like, yeah, people might not want to just follow, you know, a cartoon fairy. Um, and Michael, I know you have um, some other content that kind of goes with like the, the thirst traps that help yeah i mean i think that one does um appeal more to the to to women than men but yeah i I don't discriminate because you know the like i said the venn diagram for neurodivergency nerd content and kink content is a circle so it it kind of goes hand in hand uh and i predominantly do adhd education but uh, i do D D like I mean, that's a DMs board and that's like my shrine to nerd them over there. Uh, and then, yeah, in the King community as well. So it just kind of all falls together. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And so that was kind of my last thing, other than if there was anything you wanted to share before we move to the Q and a, like something you wanted to tell people. Mm. What to tell people. I mean, yeah, I mean, for advocacy like if you if you really want to get into advocacy um i i find that advocating for yourself and things that are close to home is really can be a really easy good place to speak from and you can do a lot of good for for people like yourself especially if you're say you're bipoc or or similar like we always need more people 
advocating for the struggles that intersect for all the different parts in our society and and any place that you are advocating these things is gonna it's gonna help it doesn't matter what it is even if you're just sharing content I really feel that that's that's just a great place to start if you just yeah podium if you've got a podium to podium others and yeah it's I don't know. It's it, it's it's one of those things that um, we did discuss accessibility too, didn't we? And and it's one of those things that can be hard to to do um, when you're living with different disabilities as well. So um, any medium that can give give that to others or help help yourself with that is is yeah, that's good. Just yeah, if you want to start, just start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I to jump on the like yeah just start um find your voice and by that it's you know you don't have to just vomit information you can turn it into a story um and that's honestly the best way to do it especially if you want to do like a medium like tiktok is telling that story from personal experience and being okay with being vulnerable um because that is where people are going to resonate the most is with your vulnerability. I mean, I had a series where I, I mean, I went through a breakup this year and I had a series where I talked through everything that I was experiencing, all the things that I realized that either I did or my ex did that caused the conflict in relation to our neurodivergency. And being able to express that in a form where people can see like, oh, I may have done that too, or I'm doing that right now. I know now I know what to do to adjust myself. And so like personal experience, vulnerability, tell the story, all that stuff is going to help connect with whoever you need to. And as you're, when you're being vulnerable, um, and if you end up getting trolls, just tag Michael and he'll, he'll yell at them for you as he told yeah, me yesterday. <laughs> I, I get great pleasure trolling trolls. I get them a lot myself. So, and it's, it's just fun to mess with them. Uh, usually I just tell them to do better and then they don't. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, so now I guess we can go ahead and open um, to Q&A. You're welcome to ask with your mic or if you want to put it in the chat. Okay. So first one comes from Shelly. Uh, Shelly says, you both said you grew up undiagnosed. When you were diagnosed, did you find some relief to realize you do fit in with a group somewhere? Um, yeah. Um yeah, growing up undiagnosed, I always felt like everybody had some kind of rule book that I didn't have. Like everyone sort of seemed to understand some deeper thing that I didn't know. And then when I was diagnosed, I was like, oh, this all makes sense. But that was only the start. What actually happened was, yeah, the realization, this has only come recently, just in this whole advocacy um, thing was that I do fit in somewhere. Like, I just felt like, oh, I'm just somebody living with my own individual mental health and that nobody else really understands. I just got to deal with it alone. But actually, yeah, there's there's a whole community of people doing the exact same thing. And that's like, yeah, that's was great. It was, it was a lot of relief, a lot of relief. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm a little different because, you know, growing up, trying to find that place that I could fit in caused a lot of the like turmoil that I experienced because I didn't understand why I didn't fit in and a lot of that has to do with the kind of the autistic side of the traits that I have and the ADHD just like missing social cues or not picking up on things or taking things too literally or you know all these different things that I didn't realize I was doing until I actually got slapped in the face with it and now I've just kind of learned more to accept myself and to kind of create my own safe space where I'm okay with who I am. I can have the most important person in my life come up and tell me that I suck 
just out of the blue as long as i you know if i legitimately did something they'll be like oh what, what did i do but if they just decide that i suck then i'm be like okay that's your belief that's your opinion i'm going to be okay with me because i know who i am but by doing that i have been able to create a space for people to join me and that has created where i feel most comfortable and where i do belong Thank you. All right. So our next question is from Angelica. What has been the most rewarding thing about creating your following on social media? Oh, initially it was the dopamine hits. That was great. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm, I'm having all this like, you know, shared experience of others and all these likes for the stuff that I, I made, um, which is nice. It was like, oh, I never had that kind of attention. But the, the most rewarding thing is getting DMs of people like, because of you, I got diagnosed that, and because of you, I've learned about myself and that I sleep very well at night because I didn't sleep well before, but now I, I kind of, I feel a lot better about like just being me in general. It's like, oh, hey, actually doing what I do is, yeah, helps others. And that's, that's so good. Yeah. It's a really good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to second that. Like, you know, this year for myself, even though I've been doing this and being successful in this area, like I've had to go through a lot of very difficult things myself. And, you know, the one that like sticks out the most to me is I was having just a particularly very difficult week. And it was to the point where like, I didn't know what I was going to be doing next because I was stressed and overwhelmed. And I get a message that literally said that I saved their life. And like it messages like that, you know, really kind of put things into perspective that, you know, what I'm doing is important and just getting those messages of like, you've helped me, you know, communicate with my family better. You've helped me save my relationship. You, you know, all these in very impactful things, you know, it, it's extremely rewarding and humbling. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then our next one is from uh, Kim. Uh, was there and was there one point in your life where you constantly questioned if how you felt or how you thought about things were rational because of the stigma of ADHD? I mean, um, I went. You go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love our ADHD brains. Um, what was there one point in your life where you constantly questioned of how you felt or questioned how you thought things were rational? Because, yeah, yeah, totally. I always just thought I was lazy or stupid or all these sorts of things. And um, and yeah, and it, it does. It, it's like, oh man, like why can't I? I don't know. Yeah, and the stigma is kind of like you see it in movies and media and stuff and like you know like the whole squirrel thing and stuff like that really sort of made me feel like I was less than or something you know like it's yeah and but now yeah now with yeah with the sort of growing awareness and the larger community being online it's like actually no no these things are, are, are normal and and you know the stigmas with the misinformation not on me you know does that make sense yeah 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 um, I went through an identity crisis, <laughs> like when I got diagnosed, I mean, and it's very common, like even talking with other people that are late diagnosed that, uh, I've talked to as friends or just, uh, you know, as a coach, like you question yourself, am I really ADHD enough to be really ADHD? Even though you got diagnosed, like you go through that imposter syndrome of just like, am I really, or are all these people that have been telling me for the past 34 years of my life that I'm lazy, are they right? You know, and you have to go through a lot of that internalized kind of like trauma of it's like, oh, this isn't laziness or, you know, or I'm just like a jerk for forgetting these important things because my memory just decides to not work today you know yeah like it, it's it's frustrating and 
at, at first it was terrifying, but you know, once you kind of learn to accept everything, it, it, you feel a lot better. And I know that um, you've, I think, I think both of you have posted about this before. We've talked about it. Um, the, uh, the whole, is my entire personality actually my ADHD? <laughs> is, H- is ADHD a personality yeah. type or not? Yeah. Like, and I guess kind of learning that like pretty much everything that has affected me in one way or another can be related to either ADHD or autism. And I'm like, who am I? <laughs> so, and, but you have, you learn to find who you are like within that space, you know, and you understand that like, oh, I'm still me. I just understand me better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like this. There's two parts to it. Like there's there's definitely things that are disabling. You know, yeah, when it comes to who am I, like I am as much like it, my ADHD is as much of an integral part of myself as as anything. It, it Yeah, it interweaves for everything I do, but it isn't me. Like I'm not the, the exact, you know, diagnostic criteria per se. That's not my personality. Those are just the things that impact all the things that shape me to who I am. So yeah, it's like two parts of a thing. It's like, I am my ADHD, but I'm not, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And it's also why I use, um, when talking about ADHD and an individual or, or the masses, I use ADHD people, like ADHD people, mm-hmm. uh, not mm-hmm. people who are ADHD because that's, yeah. you know, we are, you know, it's a neurotype, you know, it's part of who, uh, who we are, but it's not us, like not uh, like what we are, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think of it like a lens or like a lens through which we experience life. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, I mean, that's the, the person first versus identity first language. Like yeah. you cannot separate um, any, just like with autism too, you cannot separate the person from that or that you can't separate their autism and their ADHD really, even though they're different, yeah. you know, diagnoses and stuff. But yeah. All right. And so then our next question comes from Madeline. Have you made a lot of friendships slash connections with under, with other individuals since working to build your platforms? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all met through the same <laughs> Facebook uh, peer support group. And honestly, some of my now best friends have been because of my TikTok and advocacy and like I've met other advocates and I've had to have really good conversations with uh, people that are doing the same thing as I am because it's great to have that um, access to another individual that thinks similarly but also has a different experience. Yeah, I'm sitting with two of my favorite ADHD pocket friends, you know? Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for you guys, like I, yeah, there's just so much that is just validated in that connection. And like, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's been great. It's been awesome to just, yeah, connect with people just like myself versus I just, I never had that before, not on a personal basis, not on my DMs basis. Yeah. I've got to meet some pretty cool people too, like outside the ADHD world and like some of the people that follow me you know and like I didn't know they were following me until I came across their page and they're like they follow you and I look at who they are and they have like nearly a million followers I'm like who's this person (laughs) like or just like some of the some of my clients like that I have helped are highly professional people um but they need help somehow and like it's just really kind of surreal sometimes uh the impact that you make in people's lives and who you get to interact with because of the things that you do yeah yeah totally I had do you guys know who Babe is on Facebook she's like a she's very much into like hey let's debunk this terrible misinformation you know I followed her for years and I got this notification one time Babe is following you I was like oh my 
<laughs> and then I, I typed a message on one of your comments one time she was like I love your page so much I'm like oh my god whoa that's so cool because like I totally respect your um your academic you know the the for the science and fighting misinformation on the internet stuff you know so like, oh man that's so cool to have somebody like that because that makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing as well it's like oh man, if another source I think is reputable, thinks I'm reputable, that that really helped me with my, yeah, working to build my platform in, in general. It's like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm doing something good. <laughs> I was like, please pull me up. <laughs> that was the other thing is, hey, please keep me accountable. I'd love that. That would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> some kind of notables for me, like outside the community. I'm not sure if you know uh, proptologist Jay Duckworth. Uh, he's... He's a prop master for Hollywood movies and stuff like that. He's oh, great no. content. And like, he followed me. Like, we're mutuals. I haven't like talked oh. to him a lot, but like, it's kind of cool. And then um, I'm actually going to be DMing a charity stream um, on November 6th. Uh, oh. And Kadiosaurus and Hey Good are going to be players. That's really so. Like little me gets the DM like a campaign like a one shot with two of the people that kind of paved that ADHD advocacy way on TikTok. So it's really cool. That's so cool. That's so exciting. It'll be on Twitch. Yeah, I'll have to <laughs> have to get the information to you. Well, so we have any other questions, Sheila? Yes. Hi, I'll, I'll put my camera on for this. Um, so thank you. First of all, thank you three so much. This has been so lovely to listen to. Um, so since you you all have kind of experience moving through and either being a member of or creating content for social media, different social media platforms, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what it's like kind of code switching between those and thinking about how your content and engagement changes moving from you know Facebook to TikTok to Twitch to Instagram um, and thinking about how to work within the structures of each of those platforms. Oh, that's that's a great question. Yeah, because I'm on um, Facebook and Instagram primarily. Yeah, they're, they're, diff they're definitely very different algorithms. One's, one's more information sharing sharing based and commenting and having a, a whole bunk a bunk of context and interaction whereas instagram only has a certain amount of characters and stuff so i have to filter a lot of information that i has to be um yeah context is really important especially with information like and having to work with so many characters so yeah it, it does there's a lot of precision that goes into that and they, they're all got their own audiences as well you know, like they, they're, they're very different communities. So it's about working with like what that individual community wants to. I hope that that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still, it's a little tricky because like most of my content is on TikTok. So making be short form, slightly meme content, but a lot of mine is a minute to three minute long. Um, because it's information. It's me talking and, and, and trying to be as detailed and answering the question as best as possible so like on instagram like the longer form video content doesn't tend to do as well sometimes you'll get it you know uh especially in like reels um it's not as strong as a platform so trying to translate a three minute video into maybe images can be a little bit harder and also like for me because i have adhd i have a limited amount of energy so that's extra work for me and that can be difficult to be as consistent because like there are days where like I struggle to make a video on TikTok and I think that's another part of being ADHD and being an ADHD like content creator where consistency is so important it can be hard to be consistent some days uh, so like I just try to stick with at least TikTok and then I'll do Twitter and Instagram when I have the extra energy yeah. And I mean, I, I moved from mostly or mostly I, I really only on as ADHD only on Instagram and Facebook at the moment. I've thought about doing TikTok, but as uh, I was telling Jen and Michael yesterday, I just don't know that there's a way that I can translate little cartoon fairy to TikTok. And I, like, do I put on fairy wings? Can I then continue, you know, looking my students straight in the face after they see me in fairy wings and makeup on TikTok, if that comes up, which I just feel like that, that will happen, you know? <laughs> and so 
<laughs> Thanks, Shelly. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. I, <laughs> I uh, think I can too. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, I think then you would just be able to wear your fairy wings <laughs> in class. I mean, I feel like normalized. <laughs> Look at that. I, All right. I don't if, know. This is not a if, democracy. <laughs> if you're a student, if you're a student of Carol's and you think that she should do a fairy TikTok about ADHD, just say yes. Normalize it. Normalize yes. what? The fairies? There we go. <laughs> of course Boom. They're Look at yes. that. There we I'm go. I laugh at my teacher. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jack, you are not a student. <laughs> <laughs> Even, but, even Byron is, is given the thumbs up. So there you go. You, you have been um, given permission to. <laughs> so, well, so it's a, it's a, okay. We'll say it's a possibility that it could happen maybe someday. For me, the things that I noticed as far as engagement that kind of guide what I do, a lot of my Instagram posts are set to share automatic, automatically to Facebook. Though I do have, um, I think I'm calling it like ADHD B-sides that are things that like posts that I just didn't think would actually like I made it and I didn't think that it would really do too well and those those have oddly like the weird stuff that I post on Instagram that I think isn't going to go anywhere gets likes and 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 things um mostly it's the funny things though above all Facebook sincerity seems to hit better um I started out doing a lot of long captioning that was like almost a mini blog post with each meme where it was like funny meme, sincere, uh, long caption. And um, if you do it as a fay, what, what, what did Becky say? If you do it as a fay, I'll do it. Oh, you better uh, <laughs> paint my Braveheart face for ADHD Alba. Yeah, so, and people, I was shocked to discover that people on Facebook would actually read the whole Things the first time I did it, I was like, no one's going to actually read this con- this caption, but they did, and I don't get the sense that I mean, that's not really what Instagram is about. The caption, I know it happens. There are certain people that like it's actually about the caption for them. If as far as code switching is concerned, though, um, that has happened more with uh, this page and pen thing, where I, it started out as teaching, and um sorry someone said uh Shelly said I need to have we need to have a fairy day in support of ADHD I'm for it um but so I I started out with some things I did for our writing center about like working with students who are neurodivergent or and or tips for writing while you're neurodivergent or if you have anxiety and depression because of life right now because what works for ADHD people can often help people who are not ADHD um, and then it turned into a paper for a conference. And then it turned into my um, little page and pen posts that are hashtagged that with tips and tricks for writing with ADHD. And there's a lot more going into those posts, the, the pictures. Um, I have to explain a lot of things and define terms that I wouldn't have to, of course, with an academic audience. What is, okay, this chat. It's, it's actually, this is actually kind of funny too, because this is reminding me, there's actually um, part of <laughs> Scottish lore is that like autistic people were viewed as changelings, that they were, they were a baby that was ch- switch, swapped out by the Fae. So this all tracks. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, that is the, you know, the thing for my ADHD came from uh, yeah. this, like, I identify with fairies because it just so happens that my, my ADHD characteristics are very aligned that way. Um, you do that, I'll put on my best in person. Oh, your best? <laughs> for those who don't know, he's Australian. So um, I'm hoping. He's from, he's from our Modman team. Same with Becky. They, they help us. We're, we're all part of one Facebook group. Um, could we have ADHD that I started that's how I met everybody and we invited them to join in so thanks for your support guys it's so cool to see you here (laughs) thanks for coming any other questions from anybody cool you can always ask us questions ask people them questions you know uh dms or whatever comments they get read yeah so um, um follow us how about that (laughs) <laughs> make sure you like subscribe and follow yes. for more great content <laughs> yes. Plug, plug. Yeah. yes and follow ADHDF <laughs> right there yeah um all right yeah, well, uh, feel free to email me um Jen and Michael for doing this uh it was wonderful 
I know it was, it's your first big time uh, round table, but y'all did great. And thanks for coming and talking to everybody. And <laughs> thanks for Thank showing up and, and people who are not my students and, and friends. I, I really hope you guys learned something about advocacy. I, I feel like we could have probably deep dived even more, um, but, you know, with the time that we had and stuff, uh, honestly, just, yeah, really encourage you to give it a go if it's something you're interested in and good luck with your, is it an assignment that you're doing or? A... It's, yeah, the um, multimodal uh, project, it's so... And yeah, it's an advocacy project. So they're, my students are, well, the, the students here, my students are doing it in groups um, and to different topics well, that they're doing research on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm rooting for you guys. Yeah, it's such a yeah. cool thing that you're doing. Yeah. If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool or to pitch an interview, please contact me at sheila.corsi at slu.edu. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina.